Knowledge is Power Podcast Live with your host, Tony Redfield, and my co-host, LaDonna Sherwood and Francis Lawkins. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live starts now. Welcome to Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. This is a little different show tonight, and I am glad that we're going to have this type of show tonight. And uh, this is going to be a great show. So if you're listening and watching, please stay with us because it is going to be some some things that we're going to learn tonight about a a number one killer disease, uh, Alzheimer's. And uh, somebody family, it's going to be someone in someone's family that's going to have this disease. And it's not nice. And we want to know all about it and what we can do to help us to understand Alzheimer's um, um, and and how we can deal with Alzheimer's. So this is a great show, and I'm glad to have you all that's already on already. Uh, but right now, let me give me one minute. Let me go over some of the uh, our community fast that's going on in our city. This is what we're all about. So I want to go over that with you before we bring our guest, Mr. Herman Davis. He's going to tell us all about uh, the risks, at risk of Alzheimer's. And before I forget, Herman, I wrote it down. I'm going to ask you, I want to know the difference between, help me understand the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's. So that's going to be my first question I bring back when we go over these uh, uh, PSA announcements. Uh, let's see. Okay. Right here. Uh, the All White Affair fundraiser. And please join host Kurt and Sherry Vidal uh, for an event supporting Kristen Manuel Hayes for state representative Texas uh, House D22. Uh, that's going to be Saturday, uh, August 27th at 630 to 930 at 2021 Cashmere Drive in Port Arthur, Texas. We're going to be supporting. Uh, we're going to be supporting Kristen uh, for state representative Texas House D District 22. Uh, you can make your donations at uh, by check at 1310 Cavan Street. Uh, I'm going to also post up later the uh, QC code so you can uh, deposit and make your deposit in and make your donation. Uh, let's go to the YNAA, the Walmart NAACP and Youth Council, uh, the second annual Lafayette Spring, Lafayette Spivey Jr. Uh, golf tournament, voters registration and voting and golf tournaments. That it's a more of a membership drive. Uh, that tournament is uh, October the first uh, at the Bayou Den, right here in Beaumont. Uh, Eighty dollars for one player, three twenty for a team of four. Uh, registration is at September the twentieth. Uh, that's at seven. Okay, so make sure they're going to have cash price and hold in one. So please register for that. And uh, we're going to move on to our guest. Let me make sure I've got my our tune up ready. Let's see if we got that going on. All right. All right. Mr. Herman. <laughs> Go back here and I'm going to move on to this. And we're ready. Okay. Okay, we've got a couple of shout out for Lillian Brown. She said hello there and big shout out to Big Floyd Hope. He's about four feet nine. Hi, Floyd. <laughs> He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. 
uh, fan. And uh, we got a couple of more. I just want to say hello. And we want to thank you all for joining us. Let me get our music down a little bit. There we go. There we go. There we go. So we can hear Mr. Herman talk about Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, this year I got another one. Okay, another Facebook. Happy birthday, Terry. Happy birthday, Terry Roy. Terry Roy is, 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 is going to be, how old is Terry Roy going to be? 66, 69? No, no, that's the year. No, wait, that's the year he came out of school, right? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Terry. Happy birthday, man. Have, enjoy yourself, guy. Uh, let's see here. Herm Davis. Oh, you're gonna be 62 years old. Well, you don't have to tell your age. I was just messing with you, man. You know, <laughs> I didn't mess with you. You don't have to tell your age. Uh, I, 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 we've got Herman Davis. Herman is that the? Uh, we're gonna talk about the number one killer disease, uh, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Um, and Herman, that question, I want the number one question I want to ask you: What is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's. Okay, Tony, can you hear me well? I hear you well. Okay, great. Uh, first of all, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share uh, some information uh, about Alzheimer's and what we can do today, including clinical trials that we got going on right now. Dementia is more of an umbrella term uh, when it comes down. It doesn't, it, it's not specifying any disease. It's more of an umbrella term what happens to the brain and it can cover a lot of different types of illnesses. So when people say dementia, they're not really being disease specific. Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. It's more of a, um, it's, it's a terminal disease that really uh, attacks the brain. Uh, it begins with what we believe is a plaque that builds up over a period of 10 to 40 years. Uh, so a lot of times people can have, they can be what we call uh, preclinical AD, meaning they can have the plaque already there in their 40s and 50s and never realize it. And then it can manifest itself later on. But uh, Alzheimer's specifically is the name of the disease. Well, do it, um, how how young can you have be to have uh, Alzheimer's? Well, you know, the body, everybody operates differently. Of course, in in general, it happens later on in life. But, you know, I've seen and heard of some cases that people develop Alzheimer's a lot earlier. You know, mm -hmm. I've seen some some folks in their 40s, some mm -hmm. folks in their 50s actually uh, develop. There's no, there's no real timetable on it, but generally it happens a little later on in life after the plaque buildup happens for some for some years. Mm -hmm. Now, um... <sighs> Terry who is not with us tonight. He's one of our panel uh, guests. I'm sorry, but one of my panel's uh, hosts. And he is saying he had a patient in his late 30s to have Alzheimer's. Yeah. Is that possible? I mean, that early in life? <laughs> well, I mean, with the bodies, anything's possible. Like uh -huh. I said, generally, it happens later on, but, you know, there are some rare cases that can happen earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have a clinical research study for prevention of Alzheimer's disease. Can you tell us about uh, this, how to assess our risks and find out what we need to do? Just give us the steps that we need to take to find out about the plaque on our brains that, that, so that we can, you know, where we are, if we are having plaque in our brains at this age, our age, 
or should we wait or what age should we we we, we start to assess uh, to find out that we like a cat scan or whatever they do to find out if you have uh, potential uh alzheimer's well let me let me start by i think it's appropriate for us to just talk about clinical research first okay because i think especially in some communities clinical research is like a bad thing uh and, and rightfully so because of the history that it involves you know i think we've all heard of the tuskegee experiment and different things they did with prisoners and uh um, vulnerable populations uh, early on so uh, a lot of atrocities have been done in the name of medical progress against people mm -hmm. so um especially in our communities uh there's a lot of distrust when it comes down to clinical research but because of those things in the past uh, I, I would go to say that clinical research is more monitored and more heavily uh evaluated than, than your regular doctor because your regular good doctor you know they call them and, and forgive me don't take this out of uh um you know, out of subject, but you're ready to work with a doctor. That's why they call it medical practice. And some of them doctors, I believe, be practicing on people. Mm -hmm. So they can, um, you know, they can try different things. They have more flexibility in the medical practice mm -hmm. to do those type of things. But in research, we have a specific protocol we have to follow uh, by these pharmaceutical companies and patient safety is the number one concern. So uh, a lot has changed, and um, I think we should participate more. When I say we, I'm talking about all ethnicities should participate more in clinical research simply because every drug or every medical advancement that's taking place has to go through research. Like if you've been prescribed anything in the past and you look on the back of that pill bottle and it say may cause drowsiness, upset stomach, uh, constipation, whatever it said, those things were determined through clinical research. Now, the importance of that is that these pharmaceutical companies hold these trials and they gather this data to present to the FDA so they can take this medicine, this drug or whatever it is and offer it to everyone. So when they do that, the drug that they offer is only based or built off of the people that participated. And I really want to drive this point home because a lot of people don't think this way. And, you know, prior to me working in clinical research, I read a, a book called uh, Medical Apartheid. And it scared me. And it, I see why the distrust is there. But if, let's say in Alzheimer's research, I think right now nationally it's about 2% of African Americans participate in Alzheimer's research. That means that whatever remedies or whatever advances that we have, whether it's Alzheimer's, high blood pressure, whatever else, the advancement's only going to represent the people that participated. So have you ever, ever heard of a situation where someone went to their physician and got a high blood pressure, got medicine for high blood pressure, hypertension, and then they had to go back because that medication didn't work. They had to go back because that medication didn't work. It's like you have to try out all these different medications to see what works best on them. Now, true, it may be because their body is uh, specific or, or, or just you know, everybody's different in a way, but it also may be that, and it's shown in some of the blood pressure medications and other medications, that minorities just didn't participate in the research. And therefore, when uh, medicines got approved, they got approved without the data to understand how it affects every ethnic group. So medicine can seem like it's prejudice, but it really isn't. Medicine is only made for people that participate. So I, 
before I got into the Alzheimer's, before I get into the Alzheimer's talk, I really want to stress that point because uh, if we want our kids and our nephews and our nieces and our grandkids to have uh, 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 progress in their medical care, that means it's up to us to participate. So I just wanted to establish that up front because that's an elephant in the room. I can talk all, I can talk to blue, but if we don't establish trust and reason on why we should, then I think it won't move the needle some. But back to your Alzheimer's uh, statement. Um, the way Alzheimer's, uh, well, we believe there's nothing, there's nothing out there FDA approved to attack what causes Alzheimer's. Now, if someone's diagnosed with Alzheimer's, what happens is they'll prescribe medications to deal with the symptoms and it may make them feel better. But it's not going to stop the disease from progressing. And if you know anything about Alzheimer's, you right. need progress. Right. Eventually, you'll lose the ability to, to really reason and, you know, all the way down to eat. And you won't even be able to do your everyday things. Right. Yep. So there's a buildup of this plaque that can take anywhere from 10 years to 40 years before you see any symptoms. And it kind of reminds me of cancer in a way. Because mm -hmm. so someone can be walking around with cancer, early form of cancer, and not even realize it. Yeah. When they start feeling the symptoms, start getting the sicknesses, they go and they find out they're like at stage three or stage right, three, four. Yeah, yeah right. Because now they're just now their body's now just telling it. Well, that's right, how right. Alzheimer's is. So you be walking around with this plaque in your in, in, in your brain and not even realize it. Right. So we we conducted a clinical trial last year uh, called Trailblazer Two by mm -hmm. uh, by Eli Lilly. It was for current Alzheimer's patients. And they tried out a, a, a medication that for the first time was really successful at shrinking a plaque. Mm -hmm. So this is a big breakthrough. FDA labeled it a breakthrough treatment because, you know, like I said, generally we'll focus on symptoms, but we never focused on the plaque. They never had anything successfully shrink the plaque. Now that was good. The only negative thing about that is that if a person loses their memory, we can't give it back. So those people we making pause the advancement but it's kind of like we pause them where they are so they still, right they still without their memories but they're not getting worse right the, the right. progress is slowing down right so kind of knowing that that's what trailblazer three is that's the, the the current research study we're doing right now and it's open to anyone between the ages of 65 and 80 mm -hmm. currently right now and what we do is we have a screening and anytime you participate in medical research there's no cost to you everything is paid for by the pharmaceutical company so they screen you first just to see if you're preclinical or not. I mean, they'll run a simple blood test on you, your first visit, to see if you have a protein in your blood, an abundance of that protein called P-Tile. We know there's an affiliation with that protein and plaque on your brain, so we send it out to the lab to see if you have that. If you have that and you fit the protocol, then we'll do other things like a cognitive test. We'll pay for an MRI. We'll do all these things just to see if you're preclinical or not. If you're deemed preclinical, we find out that you are preclinical and you fit the, the, the patient description, the inclusion criteria that we want, then there's the treatment phase. The same medication we gave those that had Alzheimer's to shrink their plaque will give you. Mm -hmm. Now, what we're hoping is that we give you this medication now, today, shrink the plaque today before you have any symptoms that will delay or even deny the symptoms altogether. Now, now repeat that repeat that again please okay well we're hoping if, if you're preclinical meaning you have the plaque now right and if we can determine you have the plaque now and we give you that medication that we saw that shrunk the plaque mm -hmm. 
if we can get rid of the plaque now, we can delay or even deny the symptoms from even coming. So you may be high risk. Mm-hmm. You may have all this plaque buildup. You may, we even do, we, we search for the gene to see if you have the gene. We do genetic testing on your blood. We do all that. And um, if we can get rid of it now, what, what, what researchers are looking at, if we can get rid of what's causing it to progress, then maybe we can stop it from even coming. Mm-hmm. Or even buy you more time. You know, let's mm-hmm. say, it took you 10 years to build this plaque. We get rid of it. It may take you 10 more years to get back to where you were. And if you're in your 70s, I mean, and, and, and the reality of anyone that's uh, uh, faced with Alzheimer's, time is precious. Mm-hmm. So whatever time we can preserve and give people more time, it's not exactly the cure, but it's definitely a way that we can prevent it or kick the can down the road for another 10, 15 years or so, mm-hmm. which is valuable to anybody. Mm-hmm. And what does the testing for the plaque? What is that like an MRI or? Well, there are several things we do, and, and you know, in, in research, there's a protocol that we follow, meaning that the pharmaceutical company they tell us exactly what to do in the order in which we do it. And now, of course, a lot of times in research, what they try to do up front, they try to figure out, okay, what can we do? Just being honest, that's least expensive, but that can really kind of knock people out of our inclusion criteria. Because you don't want to start off with a PET scan, which is about five grand, mm-hmm. <laughs> to look at someone's brain. Mm-hmm. So we, they start off with a blood test. And mm-hmm. in that blood test, uh, there's a protein called PTAL. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all produce it, but some of us produce an abundance of it. And that PTAL, we know there's a there's a correlation between the amount of PTAL you have if it's and the amount of plaque that's on your brain. And we're still learning that correlation, but we know if you have this much PTAL, and the percentage of the likelihood of you having an abundance of plaque is actually high. So we send it off to a lab and the lab comes back with those results to see if you even have meet that criteria first. Mm-hmm. If you don't meet that criteria, then you're out of the study because they know that you probably don't have the build of a plaque they're looking for. But if you meet that criteria, then there's other things we do. We do a, a cognitive test. Um, you know, it's not a test on intelligence. It's just a test on memory to see your cognitive skills to see where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll do an MRI. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, all these things are paid for. There's no insurance required or anything else because the sponsor pays for it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Uh, that's a great study. Uh, hello, Deborah Brown. We just gotta say hello to Deborah. She's on with watching this. And Miss Can- Dr. Candace Matthews. She's saying hello to everybody. But um, back to uh, back to you, Herman. Uh, this. Uh, um, I know there's no cure, obviously, but is there something that the younger younger people can do to, to help prevent the plaque buildup, or is it just inevitable? You know what? Uh, it's hard to say because you know you read contra- uh, contradicting research about what causes it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I look at what the majority of people agree with. A lot, a more, majority of people agree with exercise is important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for one thing, that's a you know we don't. We don't know if it's diet or anything else. You've seen some studies talk about certain types of foods, but mm-hmm. you know, I can't really back that up. But what I look for is ten uh, percent of the population we know is going to get Alzheimer's. Right. That number is steady right. no matter it, what. It, so. it, it, it can't be dodged. And this is why I'm so uh, highly um, interested in knowing more about this because I've had so many members of my family who have suffered from Alzheimer's. Um, it, it's, it's a hurtful hurtful thing to deal with um the pain the to see them uh deteriorate um, um 
cannot remember um you know some have long-term memory and some have short-term memory um my mother like i said she's in dementia but she's like progressive right now it's 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 progressive and um she can tell me what went on in the 50s and the 60s but she can't tell me what went on right around her the last five minutes and they have a pattern of um she has a pattern of um um uh holding on to her purse uh paranoia of you stealing from her uh, it, it's, a, it's a hurtful thing to 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 watch your parents and loved ones to to this this disease and if the study that you you said the research uh, uh study the clinical research study for the prevention of alzheimer's disease that can stop the the progressing progressive of the the brain from going into a full run that is that's that's you know in other words you're kicking a can down the road like you said i i i i i i, I can deal with that yeah you know yeah. i can deal with that i mean but if you end what i understand you're saying if you end um alzheimer in the middle of it and you've halfway lost half your memory it stops right there where where you are but if you catch it early enough, catch the plaque early enough, you can delay this disease. Yes. And, and there's some, I mean, in research, some people actually, when we got rid of the plaque, you know, they, they're, some of their cognitive skills came back. Mm -hmm. You know, we did see some improvement on their right, cognitive skills. Right, so, right. You know, it doesn't happen in all cases, but we do see it in some cases that people are better. They think clear. They can start you know remembering more accurate things and stuff like that so we see that mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't happen typically one thing i do want to uh mention the reason why time is and when i reached out to you and and thank you i mean you as soon as i sent the message you said absolutely right um time is critical when it comes down to these type of studies and i'm gonna mm -hmm. tell you why the pharmaceutical companies they want to get this drug out on the market mm -hmm. but they can't get it out unless they have so much evidence that the FDA demands. Mm -hmm. So when they get the amount of when they get the amount of patients they mm -hmm. need, right? And they're gonna close off the screening. Cause they gotta submit the data to the FDA. Mm -hmm. And then the FDA, it's still a process from that point. We had a diabetes study that we just actually closed screening on. And that diabetes study, it gave free insulin for the whole year. What they were trying to do is, you know, when people when people take their insulin, there's a daily insulin they take. Well, they were testing out a weekly insulin. So instead of them having to prick themselves every day, there was a pretty much like a long acting insulin. There was mm -hmm. some help them out the whole week, which is great for people with diabetes. Well, they got free insulin for a year. Uh, in a lot of these studies, there's compensation available. So they're paying you for your time also. Mm -hmm. But once they reach that magic number of we have this many people to try this is what we need now you can't come in and new people can't come in and screen now the people that are in there they can still get all the benefits right so getting the data but new people can't come in and screen so if i tell people all the time if you see a clinical trial that's with an indication that can help you or your family participate even if it's just in the screening because once you get your foot in the door you go through the screening, like the Alzheimer's trial. People say, well, I'm wondering about the medicine. I'm, I don't know if the medicine, what the medicine will do. 
I said, first of all, you don't even know if you qualify. Right. You don't even know if you're going to be preclinical. But at least if you go and participate in a screening, you'll learn more about yourself. You'll get services that typically will probably cost you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars normally. And then you'll understand what are your risk factors in certain areas. Now, if it comes down to taking a drug, clinical trials, you're in full control. You can you can participate for as long or as little as you want. So, you know, I'm trying to get as many people that 60 to 65 to 80 to come at least get screened because I don't know when they're going to tell us. I mean, when they did the diabetes one, I, I, I came back to the office on Monday and they sent an email said Wednesday screen is over. Mm -hmm. So that's two days that I had. So folks that were scheduling like three weeks out and four weeks out, I was trying to reach all those people and try to squish them in those two days for them to at least get the benefit, you right. know, at least get the free insulin, at least get all that. So, I mean, I, I'm really trying to do, think whatever we can do to, to pass this on to our people in our communities, because once they close out screening, only those that are already involved can will get the benefits. And I don't know how long that approval process is going to take through the FDA for everybody else to get it. And then plus when they approve it, it's going to cost, cost money. money. So right now, right now, uh, uh, like Alan uh, uh, Perkins uh, is asking, how do healthcare and insurance play a role, or if he has missed it? I think you probably stepped in, but uh, I'm understanding uh, Herman to say that uh, you don't need any insurance for this right now. Uh, the, the the research research company Trailblazer, AI, all type of three will pay pay for it. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that compensation. Yeah, what happens is that these, like I said, pharmaceutical companies, they're funding it because mm -hmm. their goal is to get their drug approved. Mm -hmm. So they're funding it. So there's no insurance required, um, no pay for any of the pro processes. As a matter of fact, when we do what's called an informed consent, there's even a compensation built into it that people can possibly get compensated for their time. Because keep in mind, they're using this data. Even though they're providing services for you, you're anonymous, but they're using your data to get this drug approved. So they pay for your time. I've seen some studies that I had to talk money, but I mean, you're talking about a couple of grand that people got paid and benefited from the study. Mm -hmm. You know, so it just depends on what they require from you during that time, the compensation, you know, and, and you have to opt into the compensation, but I've met very few people who mm -hmm. don't. Right. Right. Well, part of the compensation too is 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 so that future people don't have to there, there might be a way to stop other people from having to suffer with this absolutely that's a, extremely mm -hmm. important absolutely so, and that's to think about too because because my grandmother passed and the real the real it's the person that's going through alzheimer's is frustrating for them mm -hmm. but family members they're caregivers mm -hmm. caregivers have 35 percent more health problems than normal people yes that's really yes Yes, I agree. I mean, I have a, a sister that is the caretaker, and let me tell you something. I, I'm, I'm concerned about her now. <laughs> you know, she is. You know, I mean, she's catching hell. I mean, the, the, she's uh, my mother's giving her hell, and she's the caretaker. Yeah. And, and, and when I walk in and our court, when I visit, I'm the, I'm the king, and I ain't done nothing. You know, so it, it's, it's it's hurtful. Um, I mean, I, I can tell you maybe nine to 11 members 
a close uh, a family member that has suffered from this disease, Alzheimer's. Uh, but I want to make everyone know who's watching it or listening, or maybe listening later on, or watching later on during the week or next week or whenever you see this podcast, is that you may be able to participate if you are 65 to 80 years old uh, and have normal memory, thinking, mood, and behavior. Um, have have a trusted study partner who knows you well and can answer questions from the study team about you doing video calls uh, and meet ad- additional study needs. I think I have a, 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 a flyer here that I can place online right quick while we uh, while Herman talks about it. Uh, and if you have any questions, we want everybody to participate if you're 65 and 80 uh, and older. And, and Herman, if you would, repeat uh, to them uh, again that we're asking and we're encouraging them to participate in this free clinical research study. It's free of charge. Uh, no insurance is needed. Uh, this is a uh, prevention of Alzheimer's prevention prevention of Alzheimer's disease, um, and Mr. Davis has also has told us that it helps. It, it's not going to cure it, but it will stop the disease. Uh, it's not guaranteed. These are tests. These are research. They want to make sure that. You participate in it. I am. I'm going to call the number like right down below at 409-331-6040. Or you can email him at uh, gadolin.com. And then also, Herman is also saying that compensation may be available for time and travel. So if you qualify for this, this is a, a great, great opportunity. It's a great study. Uh, you know, there's no trick bag. There's no con deal here. This is a real deal. This is from uh, the, the Trailblazer ALZ3. Now, again, Herman, if you would kind of tell them again, uh, repeat this is the short segment, what you said earlier, so that make sure that everyone know um, uh, what is what, are, what would he, we are encouraging them to do, and the reason why we're encouraging you to do this. Well, um, you know, you want to participate in research, uh, especially especially while the window of opportunity is open. With Alzheimer's, are you are you talking about so far as uh, how drugs are approved and who they're approved for? Yes. Okay. Um, whenever they have a lot of you know, a lot of people say, "I'm not taking no that no drugs for this. I'm not doing that. I'm not going." You know, just like with the COVID, you know, I, I, I ain't getting no shot. You know, what the hell? It got nothing to lose, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and when it comes down to Alzheimer's, you, I mean, people say, "Well, what's the risk?" I mean, you know what the risk are if you don't do anything, right? You know what that is, right? That's a road you don't want to go down. But usually, in 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 medical research, any pill, I don't care if it's Tylenol, um, metformin for diabetes, uh, whatever whatever medicine you've taken has come through clinical research, and all the side effects that you see on the side of the bottle, that's what we determine. We determine mm-hmm. two things. We determine what they call uh, safety and efficacy. Safety is how safe the drug is to make sure it's safe for humans to take. Uh, and the efficacy is, does it do what it says it does? In mm-hmm. other words, there ain't chance that it's gonna work. We've proven with the data that it works. But 
depending upon who participates that's what the drug represents so like i was mentioning earlier i think nationwide alzheimer's research is about two percent african-american so whatever discoveries they're going to make for medications in the future they're going to make it based on a small percentage of african you know right for right as of right now african-american participation so we've seen in the past where if there was a small where there was one dominant group represented within the data whenever that medicine whenever your doctor gets the ability to prescribe that medicine they're not going to say okay 98 percent uh of one group took it and only two percent of the other group they're not going to look at that data they will just see the fda approve this medicine for this indication so they'll prescribe it not knowing exactly how how many people participated in it and that's why sometimes i feel we can have problems when it comes down to prescriptions because all groups are not represented in that data so it's important for every group if you want your child your grandchildren your nieces your nephews if you want them to have better health care than what we had today then the only way that can happen is in research look it's like this everybody's waiting for the big discovery when we're going to cure cancer when we're going to do this it doesn't just happen they're not going to just zoom in with the cure it happens through people participating in research mm -hmm. the more people participate the quicker they can do the studies the quicker they'll find the advancements so if we just wait and hold off we're just holding off the cure that's all we're doing trish and uh, well when you're in the study if you've been approved and you're participating they, they closely monitor you right to to make sure that things are the way they're supposed to be and absolutely like i said patient safety is the center of all the studies we do that's why it's hard to get in a lot of these studies because you have to fit a strict criteria just to even get in and of course the good thing about what we do in research we can predict almost what can happen because everything is just done in a strict protocol manner if there's there's a possibility of an allergic reaction we're ready for it because we already know what the possibility may be and what we're located at we're located uh in park medical 2 in beaumont so we're located right next to the hospital so the good thing about it is you know if, if anything happens you know we're right there now i'm not scaring anyone but when it comes down to allergic reactions you can go to a new restaurant and eat a piece of cheese that you never had before and have allergic reactions so you can't predict that so when i mention allergic reactions i'm not here to scare anyone i'm just saying i'd rather be in a place that's secure with medical staff just in case something happens and be out in the streets and absolutely how, how many times we get prescriptions from my doctor come home to our house pop them in my, our mouth and we don't even know how we're going to react to that and we do it from the comfort of our home with no one around so that's true, I mean, that's true. Well, we're here really the more people that participate the more things we know could happen we were having adds up that they're possible absolutely and, and, and anything that happens um we're, we're 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 equipped and ready for it if it's by the time it made it to phase two phase three trials safety issues are not that big of an issue anymore because we've already proven that, it, that it's pretty safe that mm -hmm. it, it's not gonna destroy you or kill mm -hmm. you or really mm -hmm. you know shut mm -hmm. down your systems Mm -hmm. we're already proven that now we're just looking for the effectiveness and we're using different groups to say okay how does it work with this group how does it work with this group they're just trying to find out different things to to to, to safely classify the drug on who can take it and who can't take it maybe so they're doing that in clinical trials is there anywhere that we can go to find other clinical trials for like my age group who isn't old enough to participate in this one are there other ones available or how would we find that out well, I would, of course, I'm going to do a little self-promoting right here. I'm going to promote our company first because we're doing several clinical trials. I mean, we have mm -hmm. we had trials for ADHD. This is for adolescents. We had trials for 
Um, we actually had a real good trial for uh, uh, RSV for babies, for pregnant women to help because uh, RSV is the number one uh, cause of infant hospitalization in the U.S. We have a, a trial that can help them out. Uh, we have trials for diabetes, like I mentioned. Uh, we have trials for fatty liver disease that we can even come in and get a fibro scan uh, at no cost to see exactly what your what your fat intake is in your liver. Because it can be, it doesn't have to be, al- people think of cirrhosis just associated with alcohol. That's not true. No, it's not. Yep. Cirrhosis can be associated with a lot of things, but how do you know in- until you get it? Well, you can come and get a fibro scan and see exactly what the level of it is, how hard your liver is and stuff like that through us. Yep. So uh, you can go to Gadolin, G-A-D-O-L-I-N.com, Gadolin.com or www.G-A-D-O-L-I-N.com. That's our website. And it, it'll show what trials we are actively conducting right now. We're located right here in uh, Southeast Texas by St. Elizabeth Hospital. Or you also can go to clinicaltrials.gov. Clinicaltrials.gov is a government website that every clinical trial has to register through them. So you can go in there, you can kind of see exactly some information about the clinical trials. You can see exactly some of their inclusion criteria. So you can, let's say you look up, you want to look up cirrhosis. You can find any trial related to cirrhosis or COPD. You can see all the trials related to that and where they're located throughout the United States. So you can go to clinicaltrials.gov to see that also. Man, great information, great information. All right, that is, I've learned something today and I love this information that we can share across the social media platforms. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we are, uh, 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 we are a podcast that's, that's, uh, that has a platform that is all over the world. And this is something that uh, we all need to know about uh, in different cities that has the same, uh, uh, how can I say this, a city that uh, wherever you are, that's somewhere that you can get the, uh, the clinical help uh, research done and also participate in it. Um, and again, the, the 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 age is sixty-five to eighty. Um, but you know, I I I, I want to try it myself just to see uh, where I am. You know, because it, it, I think about it all the time to having so many um, family members to suffer with it, and um, I, I like to know uh, exactly where I stand on it as well. Um, Let's see here. Terry is asking another question here. He says, "Oh, we're talking about the caretakers. Yeah, the caretakers really need to take care of themselves. I mean, putting a loved one in, in it's just crazy. I mean, it's just for, for a few days. It's, it's good to get away. Um, I had my mother to come here a couple of weekends ago. Just spent three, four days, you know, just so that the caretaker can have some time, you know, yeah. and." Um, and, and it's a way to handle them also, you know, they might ask you the same question over and over again. You just say, hey, okay, well, that, that's you right. You know, go they along know with it. Yeah, <laughs> don't, 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 hey, don't, don't, don't go against them now, God. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know it, it's, 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 and I just go along with the program, you know, and, and Char- so, uh-huh. I do want to mention something, because a lot of people, especially when they get a little older, they're worried, because they may, I talk on the phone with a lot of people, and they say, well, look, I'm, I'm worried now because sometimes I can't remember where I put my key. Yeah. Well, I'm worried. That's me all the time. <laughs> I'm worried. 
Look, you know, if you, if you, you know, first of all, you feel like I could have qualified for this when I was in my twenties because I, I have bad memory. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, if you can remember that you forgot, you don't have Alzheimer's. Keep that in mind. Okay. If you That's can remember that you no. forgot, what about what about what about what about what about what about you were looking for your phone and you own the phone. <laughs> I, I did that 10 years ago, so, uh, and I'm still okay. You know, it's a, a person that's like looking for their keys, say, I know I had these keys somewhere around here, I can't remember where I put them. That's just, naturally when we grow older, we're gonna have some memory, and we're made to forget. The brain is actually wired to forget. Mm-hmm. It's not wired to remember everything. You'll go crazy cycle. Yeah. If, you remember, if you remember everything. You all remember essential things. So it's one thing to forget where you put your keys. It's another thing to forget you even had a car. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I, know I got a car though. So, so I'm just saying, that's I might not remember where I parked it, but I know I got a car. There's a difference between the two. See, at least you knew you came in a car. Right. Whenever you would, now, Alzheimer patient will walk out of Walmart parking, walk in Walmart parking lot, and not realize where they are and how they even got there. Mm-hmm. They'll walk out in the parking lot and not even remember, you know, where they yeah. are and how they got there. So yeah. that's so, the main. So, so what I'm saying, being forgetful at our age now, it's not a, a real concern. Well, I, I feel mean, better. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry. <laughs> I wouldn't stress about it because I'm on the phone with people that are scared. I mean, yeah. I call them and they just tell me these stories. I'm like, look, just come in, get screened. And it's probably nothing to worry. And a lot of it is not. It's just an area. It's just a a deal of age and mm-hmm. just kind of forgetting things naturally so mm-hmm. i mean of course i would always encourage people the brain is a tool mm-hmm. the more you use it the stronger it is i mean crossword puzzles different types of games stuff like mm-hmm. that i would always encourage things the only thing i discourage about social media and you know i'm i'm, I'm pro social media but mm-hmm. sometimes when we're fed things when we're only in receiving mode mm-hmm. instead of thinking in cognitive mode mm-hmm. i think that's you know my personal opinion that doesn't work for us you know mm-hmm. i think we should always challenge ourselves with different things and right. stuff like that to keep that muscle tuned out tuned right. up now we will some people may be watching this that already have someone that's already diagnosed because this study right here is for people that's not diagnosed. Uh-huh. We do have another study coming up for people that are that are receiving, that are uh, suffering right now from symptoms. Uh-huh. So we're about to launch that study in about another week or so. And we even have an imaging study coming up that um, it's not made for medicine, but we're still trying to learn the correlation between the protein uh-huh. and the plaque. So they can take a blood test and do a PET scan that we pay for and they actually get paid like $1,200 for mm-hmm. because they're going to use that data to see the correlation between the uh, plaque in, I mean, the uh, protein in your blood and how much plaque in the brain, because this is the deal. Insurance companies, let's be real, insurance companies don't want to pay for PET scans. I mean, they're yeah. expensive. So if insurance companies don't want to pay for PET scans, then PET scans is the only true way we can actually see There's two ways you can tell somebody has Alzheimer's. Through a PET scan, and once they die, we do an autopsy where you can see the plaque on their brain. You can't see it any kind of way. We can see symptoms and maybes, but there's no a hard way of diagnosing without a PET scan. So that's why it's so hard for people to really get diagnosed with it up front. But if they can figure out the correlation between the blood and the PET scan and find exactly what that correlation is, that means that now we can just take blood and figure out how much plaque you have. All right. 
that's medical advancement. Right, right. Right, man. It's amazing. Great, great information. Great information. I've learned something here tonight. Hey, listen, uh, well, you will come back, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'd I like to get you back uh, when this new product comes out. Uh, that's uh, those that's already been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Okay. And and uh, and kind to uh, we 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 will refresh ourselves on this, but also go into the uh, clinical uh, research of the of the new product that for those who are already into it. And again, let me say this to everyone that's listening: is that the research, the the, the medical research, the clinical research that you get now will stop it. The plaques before it goes into a real deep dive into Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But now you're saying you've got a new product that is coming out that for those that are already in Alzheimer's. So what I'm gonna save the I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some more about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for the next time. Okay. Uh, because I, I want to I, there's a question I want to ask is that if you're already into it, what with this product do to you what i mean would it's i know it's going to stop it but would it make some it won't make them go into a a, a progression uh uh alzheimer with it well you, you're talking about those who already have alzheimer's right I don't well, I mean, yeah what, what we're looking at is you know like i said what we believe the plaque is what causes the progression mm-hmm. so if we can get rid of the plaque we can get rid of the progression now so far as the damage that the plaque done, because you got to think you have these neurons that the plaque is on. So once we get rid of the plaque, it all depends on how much damage is done underneath right, it. Right. Whether or not they can kind of go regress okay, right. or something like that. Okay. We don't know that yet. And that's right. still that's still in research. I mean, even with the research we're doing now with uh, preclinical for people that don't have it, they're in observation for years after they're done with their treatment because there's still, there's still things we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know if the plaque is going to come back right we don't know how quick it's going to come back there's still a lot of questions that we're answering that we need answering but we can only answer them through time and studies thank you Herman. Herman, Herman davis everyone who is visiting with us this evening uh and we've been talking about the risks of alzheimer's and uh, he has in it has introduced us to the trailblazer alz3 a clinical research study for the prevention of Alzheimer's disease. Hey, we love it, man. We, we, we're gonna pass the word on. We're gonna share it all over. It's a social media so everybody get the message out there and call that number uh, so that they can at least find out if they qualify or they're having it. Mm-hmm. Even the qualifications, if you have it or not, I have to have the plaques or not, correct? Yes. All yes, right, yes, yeah. you'll come in and get screening with we'll the terminate. Right, right. Well, Herman, thank you so much. Thank you, Trisha, for joining us. Well, you're here with me all the time. I appreciate the company. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the company. And Herman, let's do this again in about a month. Uh when this new your new um product is coming out for prevention. Yeah. And we'll yeah, talk about you. That thank, again. thank you again for having me. Too. Now, yeah, oh, no problem. Thank we're you. gonna get we're gonna get the word out. And uh I just love it. I just love shows like this. I love it, I love it, I love it. So again, thank you so much, Herman. If anything you'd like to say, you got it. Well, I mean, just just, just once again, if y'all have any questions, uh, you can call us directly 
at um, 409-331-6040. You can ask for me uh, and you'll speak directly to me. Or you can go to our website, uh, Gadolin, G-A-D-O-L-I-N.com. On there, you'll see about a, a bunch of information about our studies. I encourage you, though, to call me. And that way I can tell you any new studies that we have in the pipeline. We have people, I call them professional research people. I mean, they call me like every week. Well, what new study you got? And they, can, <laughs> they yeah. qualify, I mean, but but I, I admire those people because right. those people, you know, they're, they're really in it for the right reasons. They right. do benefits, but right. overall they're helping improve, uh, you know, medicine for all of us. That's so thank right. you for your time again, Tony. Thank you too. Thank you, Trish. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you on Sunday. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages.